everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume to this next Augmenters episode. Hey, Jimmy. Morning. Happy post-Thanksgiving. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Post mostly feeling wonderful. It's exciting to have an Augmenters day after turkey. Although this episode was not a turkey, I have to say. Not, not at all. I mean, we are keeping with our classic Jed status of free coffee Fridays at Cumberland Farms. Hashtag shout out Cumbies. His favorite thing in the entire world. And I love that this is a family episode as we've all spent a lot of time with our family that we got a chance to have the world famous, the one and only Jed Meyer. Yes, relation, my husband, who I'm so glad we had on. It was such a fun episode. And you know what? Something really struck me during this episode, Jimmy. You know what hit me? Mentors have really wacky names. Have the best names. After our 40-some episodes here, I come to find every time somebody talks about their mentor, they have like these superhero names. And uh, I think Jed was no exception. Maybe that's why you and I are the host of the podcasts promoting mentoring instead of being excellent mentors. Because, you know, Jimmy Edgerton, Julie Meyer, I don't know, those aren't, those aren't names going in the pantheon. No, no, no. But he's got some great ones. And more than anything, of course, besides the phenomenal mentor names he comes up with, he has some awesome advice. And I have to tell you the truth, Jimmy, wherever we go, any event where people who have worked for Jed in the past are, they just love, love, love working with him. And he has such a kind heart. He cares so much about others. He wants others to succeed. And I feel grateful to have had him, of course, as my life partner, but also as a dad to our daughters, because he's also been a phenomenal mentor to them. And one day we'll have them on and have them have a chance to chat about parenting as parent mentors. I'm sure there's a word in there. We'll workshop that. As we get closer, I couldn't agree. I feel also very grateful for Jed. He's been very kind to me, whether it's a, a car that might not be running or just making sure I'm getting the lowest price on coffee somewhere. You know, he's he's got my back as well. The term that stood out for me throughout this episode and really resonated and still I'm getting to know Jed, but it, it was so perfect for him to say and to espouse to our audience, which is, Jed is a fan of fandom. And that really struck me. And just that positive outlook that he's always brought to our conversations, really, I was like, that's it. Fan of fandom. Boom. Jed Meyer. He is a fan of fandom. That is true. It's actually a family, uh, definitely a family trait. And yeah, that is, is so true. And I think he has some really great words of wisdom, things that he shared over time. So I think without further ado, we could continue digesting our amazing Thanksgiving meal and reflecting on our family and jump in with Jed. Here we go. Jed, thank you for coming to our podcast. Julie, good day. Nice to see you. How are you doing today? It's a pleasure to be this here. This is going to be a good one. I'm excited. 
Jimmy, nice to see you too. You didn't send me via airmail any Cumberland Farms iced coffee, so I'm a little disappointed by that, but not so much so that I didn't agree to come on to the podcast. I hear you. I did wear a green shirt in honor of the Celtics season starting soon. Awesome. So at least I did something for you. Go Seas. So, Jed. Wow. I am so happy you're here. Thank you very much for joining our podcast. You have certainly been on this podcast journey from when it was a very bizarre idea that I came to you with. What did you think when I told you that I was doing this podcast? I thought it could really be something. You have a lot of really smart ideas and who knew where it was going to go. And I I tip my cat to both you and Jimmy for the great guests you've had. I've been listening to some of your recent episodes. Michelle Hayward, what an amazing guest. Deanne Brown, my sister-in-law, super impressive. Maurice, Ashley, I mean, you've had some really, really interesting conversations with people. So I feel uh, very uh, privileged and honored to be here to join you to try to share some of my wisdom with you as well. Are you nervous? No more so than any other time that I'm on a recorded line. But it's okay. You can always just say it was the cat in the background that uh, muffed the wording. It wasn't what you said. For those who aren't aware, I'm on Instagram for Cats of Cook Street. I'm sure that uh, Jimmy will put it in the show notes. That's our Instagram handle. My two cats uh, who love to sit in the window of my house up in Massachusetts. Massachusetts and or my mom's house up in Massachusetts and um, now they're in Brooklyn and I've continued to take pictures of them and share them on Instagram so if you like cats please check out my Instagram page I have over 100 real life followers which I'm very excited about oh fantastic they really appreciate all the fandom Jed and if there and anybody who is a fan of cats it is definitely you I have to say I love my cats and fandom <laughs> is an important thing it shows a lot about passion that people have for different things for sports teams for where people live for food for their heritage so and would you consider yourself a fan of mentoring oh I think mentoring is super important I'd rather not get into the real deep definition of what mentoring is here today because I think a lot of people think different thoughts of mentoring I think two of the more misunderstood words out there in the world are mentoring and networking. Mm. And so to me, I think of mentoring as really just having relationships with people, whether they be, you know, peers, whether they be people more senior than you, whether they be people more junior than you. Um, I just think it's about building relationships. I believe it was Michelle Hayward, your guest, who talked a lot about that and the importance of building relationships. So I agree broadly in building relationships. I think mentorship can be a bit of a loaded word. I, I People talk to me and they'll say, oh, you know, I don't have an official mentor. It's not like someone hands you a card or a, a coin or a piece of tangible item and says, hey, I'm your mentor. It's like, you know, you can, you know, anybody can be your mentor, right? It's somebody you have a casual relationship, formal relationship. It's not, you know, to me, I don't think about it like, like Jimmy's doing with his hands, like they're handing you something formally. But yes, in my life, I've been fortunate to have many senior people and, and peers and, and other people that I've looked up to that I've learned a lot from. And there's plenty of people that I've tried to bring along in the journey to help them, whether they be, again, peers or senior people or more junior people than me. You did just give me a great idea that, thank you for that, is mentor, you know, swag. I don't think we've ever considered that. Uh, you know, a gift of the mentor having, you know, a mentor pin. I don't know, mentor t-shirt, mentor lanyard. I don't know. I've had a lot of thoughts about swag lately. And, uh, you know, it could be like an official, like, are we officially mentor mentee? It's like going steady. Hmm. It could be. I have two thoughts on the sort of formal programs. I was super fortunate when I, uh, my early career, I worked for the Nielsen company and, and I had two formal mentors when I first joined. I was in a management training program. And one of them was a guy named Rusty Terrigan. And one was a woman named Susan Whiting. Wait, wait hold on, Jed. Say it again. That, those are, that's a great name. Rusty Terrigan? Yeah, Rusty Terrigan. He, he ran the 
local division at Nielsen when I worked there, and Susan Whiting ran the cable division. Uh, and they were both at different times in my career at Nielsen, sort of formal mentors of mine. I learned so many lessons from both of them that you know just I carried with me for many, many years. So I think those types of programs can and do work. And then if you fast forward, that's I've been in, in business for almost 30 years. And then you fast forward, I'm, I'm now at a company called Cantar, which is also a market research company. And we have a formal program called the Gold Star Achievers Mentorship Program, which I'm fortunate enough to be a mentor of other people in that program. And, you know, if I think about it, I've been in business 30 years. Those are two of the real, really formal programs I've been in that I think have been really good. But I also have also been an informal mentor to many, many people, you know, throughout that journey as well. What do you remember them telling you? There are particular pieces of advice that really stuck out to you? 100%. I mean, Rusty, he was super buttoned up and his team was really an organized team. I learned from a lot of people. The division that he ran was called NSI at the time, Nielsen Station Index. I think the, the number one thing I, I probably remember from Rusty is uh, is just do what you say you're going to do and following up with people. We were in a very competitive business at the time with a company called Arbitron. And so we had to compete and hustle for the business. One of my early sales calls was uh, with Mark Ledbetter at WLBT in Tupelo, Mississippi. I remember just uh, sitting with Mark and listening to what his needs were for media research and and talking with him. After that conversation, I I believe I had to renew a contract with him and I had just gotten there. And uh, after the meeting, back then we didn't have cell phones, so I remember driving to Walmart and and talking to my boss at the time as a guy named Mike Stack and uh, and telling him how the meeting went. And uh, Mark, at the end of that meeting, I remember him putting his arm around me and saying, son, we're not going to have a problem with whatever the issue was. If we do, you know, I'm going to call Rusty. Uh, I mean, you can, nothing would be scarier, right? That was like my boss's boss's boss that he was like, and I was like, don't worry, Mark, I'll take care of you. And luckily he didn't ever have to call Rusty or if he did, I wasn't aware of it. And Mike was a great manager and I learned a lot from him and learned how to take care of people like, you know, Mark Ledbetter at WLBT. It's all about how you pay it forward. So, you know, my goal now is how do I help train people? Maybe the job's a little different today. Maybe what we're talking about isn't TV research. Maybe it's brand lift or cross media performance of ad campaigns. But how can I help train the next generation of people to be responsive, to know what they're talking about, to do their homework about their clients and their clients' businesses the way I pay it forward? So, Jed, that's kind of comes to our point of view in we're shifting this mentoring kind of landscape from the classical, you know, sitting in somebody's office and having this formal program to usually more informal as a lot of how folks these days are, are getting ahead. How have you shifted your thoughts and how you train and, and pay it forward? these people given that it's 2022 and mentoring is it's a different world yeah it's a totally different world and we can go in so many directions with that jimmy i'm going to start by saying my first sort of tenet to people is you know do your job right and uh, you know as many of us from new england understand i'm uh, it's it's a partial ode to bill belichick one of the winningest coaches in american football of all times maybe not popular in the region of the country that i live in right now but uh, you got to tip your hat to uh, to bill belichick and the new england patriots uh, but it really is do your job if you're not sure what's going on you know don't get caught up in the politics of what's happening or who's in or who's out just focus on your job and what you need to do. And you're going to learn a lot if you do that. A lot of times the people, they're really busy worrying about the next job. And what I often tell them is, don't worry about that. Do your job right now. Take care of this. And if you do a good job, guess what? People are going to notice. And if they don't notice after a long time, you know, some stretch of time, 12 months, 18 months, then maybe it's time to say, okay, maybe I should think about working in a different department or a different place. But for the most part, what I've found is if you do that, the rest of itself is going to work itself out. Do you think that timeline has changed? You mentioned initially just qualitatively 12 to 18 months or sorry you just said uh, do your job for a period of time and then you said 12 to 18 months i was like oh 
Okay. I think that timeline has changed, Jimmy. I think my mother, who is also one of my mentors, as many of your guests talk about their parents, uh, both of my parents taught me a lot about uh, people and some business uh, learnings, but really a lot of people learnings. My mother ran a nonprofit foundation when I was little. She used to always tell me that people would come in. This is, mind you, this is the 1970s, right? And she would say to me, people come in and in the first year, they learn a lot from me. And in the second year, they pay back to the organization with their learning because then they know what they're doing. And so she kind of always indelibly taught me, ideally, you do your job for two years, minimum. It could be three, it could be five. But I always had that idea that the first year of any job or assignment is going to be a real ramp of knowledge, learning what you need, what's expected of you, learning how to do it. And then the second year, you got to pay them back. Now, I thought that was super true of my mother, right? She ran a nonprofit. So she, if she lost someone at month 13, she had to train someone up again, and that cost her time and effort and attention. That's hard. Big American companies can absorb. Maybe you leave early or something like that. But my mother's company couldn't absorb that. It was maybe five or ten people, right? So every person really, you know, carried a lot of weight. So I've always kind of used that as a yardstick. And, and even when I think about my professional journey, I would try to stay in a role for a minimum of two years, sometimes three, sometimes it was longer. That's my general yardstick. I think there's a widely perceived notion today that younger people might be more impatient today and they might want to move up faster. And I certainly understand that, but I don't think that's unique to Generation Z or millennials. I think that's always been the case. People sometimes are having impatience to keep moving. I get that. I just had a conversation with someone yesterday over coffee at my office and he was asking me, how do you know when it's time to move on and where, whether it's internally or changing companies? And I said, there's no rule of thumb. You've just got to kind of try to get as much as you can out of the assignment you're in and do it for an ex- a period of time. And again, my rule of thumb is this is roughly you know 18 months to two years. Uh, and then look around. But there's so many variables. It might be that you have a young child at home that you care for. So you don't want to push too much on the professional side because you're taking, you know, you're helping your partner or your family. It might be you have a sick parent at home and you're helping care for them. It might be there's some other demand you have that's outside of the professional realm that causes you to ease back and say, you know what, I'm going to stay at this job for a little while and that's okay there's no single rule of thumb it's it's your own individual journey Jed, i'm gonna switch gears for a second and just ask you because you have a really interesting view unique view into uh how augmenters podcast came together hmm. how did you feel when uh you suddenly were watching jeopardy episodes every night for a week as julie <laughs> and i planned for our, our alex trebek principle number six consistency what was going through your head as you were like wait a second i just had to watch three episodes of bob ross next week it was a bunch of episodes of door of the explorer aren't my kids adults now what were you thinking about i'm going to answer a different question which is yes consistency is very important and to your earlier comment around like how do you build mentorship in this modern world the world of hybrid workspaces right i think there's a bunch of things some of them we're trying at the company i work at right now at Cantar. we're developing what we call coffee connections right so the offices that I work a lot with are our New York office and our San Francisco office. And mid-level folks in both of those offices have set up coffee connections, which is just an opportunity for people to get together that don't work with each other day to day and hopefully in person. But sometimes it's a virtual, it's a Zoom or it's a whatnot format. And it's just an opportunity to catch up and get to know people outside of the workforce. I think those kinds of things are great. And they were sort of happening naturally and organically before the pandemic. But in this world that we're all trying to navigate on, you know, how many days a week am I going to go in? Am I going to be fully remote? You know, one of the things I love about working at different companies is the cultures. So within the culture, how 
how are people best fomenting these coffee connections to become actual relationships? Like not necessarily mentoring, but how are people being successful with this other than just maybe activity, like just sending messages? I think it's really all about building relationships, right? And so ideally you have that coffee connection and then maybe that leads to something else. Maybe in that coffee connection, you talk about how you like podcasts, right? There's a guy, Rich, that one of the people I had a coffee connection catch up with a couple weeks ago. And at the end of our chat, we started talking about podcasts. And I was like, hey, Rich, tell me, he's a younger guy. I'm like, tell me, what do you listen to? And that's just a natural thing. So now when I run into him in the hallway, I'll be like, oh, did you hear that podcast or, or something like that, right? So I think so much of business is about relationships. And again, going back to that rusty tenet or principle from early days, just doing what you say you're going to do. You know, you follow up when you tell someone, I'm going to send you an email. You do that. And people remember that. And in my perspective, people like to do business with people that they trust. And one of the ways that you build trust is by doing what you say you're going to do. It seems so simple, but it's so true. And do your job, which by the way, Jimmy Judd definitely has a t-shirt that says do your job that he wears all around as well. So always a good reminder. I would be worried if he didn't. (laughs) I have the t-shirt. I have a printout that I put on my wall next to my desk. It doesn't matter if you're a junior person, mid-level, senior, there are distractions in life. There are things that happen in your personal life. There are things that happen at work. You work with people you love. You work with people who you love less. Guess what? When I get in those modes or those ruts, I'm like, your job. At least I can feel better. I can sleep at night knowing I delivered the project. I answered the client question. I did what my boss asked me to do. I might not have loved it, but guess what? I did it. And at the end of the day, I can sleep better at night knowing that. And regardless of seniority, everybody should be quoting Bill Belichick. So I agree with you as well. I didn't didn't think we were going to get so in New England sports. I should have known with two of the three of us, I guess, dislocated New Englanders, right? You're in Maryland and I'm I'm in New York. Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, That that, that word just makes me feel broken from my my home. (laughs) What does? Maryland? Or dislocation. No, dislocation. I'm like, can you tell my shoulder's out of its socket? Well, well that's, that's why we're Chowderheads all the time, right? So if you're not sure, if you're listening to the podcast, go to Chowderheads.com. I have no professional relationship with them. No free ads, they, Jen. No free they, ads. They have great gear. I love them. I've been ordering from them for years and, uh, and really love them. But another point I wanted to bring up, and I'm sorry, I'm going to do this proactively. Uh, but when we talk right. about um, building relationships and mentorships, a really important way to do this is also professional associations. So I know your guest, Deanne Brown, talked a lot about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I loved what she had to say about that stuff, right? In my specific field, these are organizations like the ARF, the Advertising Research Foundation, or the CRE and the MRC. And what I think, why I think it's so important to get involved with these professional associations is it gives you a chance to meet people, right? Different people from your industry, but maybe they have a different role. So if you work at a research vendor like I have for so many years, maybe you'll meet someone from the buy side, an agency, or maybe you meet someone from a client side, you know, a brand. And so it gives you the opportunity to do that, which is really important for building your professional network. It also gets you exposure to industry trends and ideas, and that expands your horizon. It gets you thinking beyond just your four walls. The other super important thing, it gives you the opportunity to build new skills. So young people often be like, well, how do I learn how to present? How do I learn how to organize a meeting? How do I put together an agenda for a key opinion leader summit? Guess what? You might not have that opportunity to do that in your day-to-day job. But if you're working on a committee with the IAB, that gets you exposed to that. And then if you do- It's not just learning, it's actually doing it. It's but, like, exactly, like exactly. You're learning, yeah. you're, you're doing it, yeah. and you're learning from people who have done it before. I've done that super organically over my many years of professional life, and I just think it's so important. One of my other early mentors was a guy named Charles Hamilton. He was my crew coach, uh, and he, uh, I was, I think I was 15. I was either 14 or 15 when I was rowing for him, and he said three little words that made so much of an impact on me. 
Uh, and he said it to the whole team. He was a hard, hard ass. I mean, when I tell you he was a taskmaster, we were all terrified of him. He talked about taking the initiative. You might have heard later in life, if you've ever seen the movie with uh, Robin Williams, Carpe Diem is his version of it, right? But Charles Hamilton was taking... Are you, are you quoting The Birdcage? Which movie? No, no, no. It's the, the boarding school movie where, where Robin Williams you know, <laughs> said Carpe Diem. Yeah. Right? So, so, captain, my captain. Yeah, exactly. Good for Rowan. Exactly. Yes. So, so, so Charles Hamilton, you know, basically said, hey, take the initiative. I was, I'm going to call myself 15 years old. 15 years old. He's like, in doubt, take the initiative. The three most powerful words a young person could ever hear. Because you're going to learn something doing that. So... Charles Hamilton, I don't even know if he's still alive. I've Googled him many times, and uh, I, I've never gone back to uh, my school to, uh, to sit with him. I have done that with other mentors later in life. But those three words made such a huge impact on me. That's amazing. But I have to continue with my stranger questions, which are, were you rowing on the Charles River for Charles Hamilton? Uh, I did. Uh, my senior year, I qualified for, we had a small boat. There was four of us. My God, Miles, Tom, oh, Matt. And I, and our coxswain was Aaron Tier, and, and, and Charles Hamilton was our coach, and we rode the, the head of the Charles. Back then, this would have been 1987, 1988. Uh, the head of the Charles was a huge thing. It was a big party. My dad came out to watch us. My dad was, uh, he came to so many of my rowing races. Uh, God bless you, Bill. He, uh, I learned so much from my dad, an unofficial mentor. He never handed me a pen, but I learned so much from him about how to manage people and how to listen. He was just a, a super humble guy. He worked in job development originally, and then he moved into being a probation officer. And my dad is the last guy you could ever imagine being a probation officer because I think he kind of did that to pay the bills. But on the side, he would help guys find work. And he was a, a PO at an inner city court in Boston, in Dorchester. And again, this is the 70s and the 80s. And I just remember, I don't remember the, how old I was, but I remember going with my dad back then, taking the bus to Dudley and then, to, you know, sw switching to the red line to go to his office. And he knew guys at, at Dudley who would come up to him and say, hey, Mr. Meyer, you know, thank you for helping me find a job. You know, how they know? You know, there's random people coming up to my dad. I just learned so much about humility. And, uh, and the other super important thing I learned from him was that it's really important to give back to your community. So anybody who's ever worked with me knows this. I always take my teams to some volunteer thing, right? You know, it could be soup kitchen, could be a park cleanup. Usually the projects, what I like to do is volunteer with organizations that are well organized, that they always have enough work. So if I bring 10 people that we're not going to be standing around, we're going to be, you know, serving food or, or doing one of those activities. So the current one I do a lot with is a, a group called Encore Community Services in New York. And they are basically like Meals on Wheels. And the woman uh, who organizes that is a woman named Jennifer. She's fantastic. She always is organized. She, she sends out the emails every week. You know what's coming. Whenever you show up, the people who are on the ground there have work to do. Basically, Cantar has a great policy where two days a year, they'll let you volunteer on company time. So what I try to do is bring people out at least once or twice during the year, give them the opportunity to come out volunteer at Encore, and just get a taste of it. What's it like to help somebody else, right? What's it like to get back to the community that you're in? Because to me, I, I love business. Like I eat, breathe, think business all the time. But I love business, but I'm really in, you know, in the, on this earth to help other people. And I think some of that's mentorship and some of that is community service, right? So how can you give back in different ways? And so right now, I'm fortunate my kids are more grown. So I'm a little more of an empty nester. I have time that, you know, I can volunteer at Encore. I can volunteer at the food pantry more regularly. But when my kids were little, I had a harder time. And my dad had great words of advice. He said, Jed... Sometimes you can give your time, and that's great. Sometimes you can write a check, and that's the way you give. And sometimes you can advocate, 
So another group I volunteer a lot with is the YMCA of Greater New York, just a great place that people know of as a gym and swim. Yeah, I love talking about, you know, all the swimming lessons that people, you know, take at the Y or the great gym that they offer in my neighborhood. But really, I just run around talking about advocating how they help people lead healthier lives. You know, they have great programs to help people get their weight under control or help learn English if they're new to America and they don't know English. And the Y really does a lot more than just gym and swim. And, and for you know, 10 years, I sat on the board of my local YMCA and advocated as well as doing the other things for them. Jed, I wasn't worried about you uh, meeting my segment goals of uh, let's get crazy. Uh, <laughs> and the one that stuck out to me the most was fan of fandom. Mm. And I, I want to bring that back to maybe a combination of both volunteering and just uh, how to kind of be humble when you begin these new relationships. Yep. How can you genuinely show your excitement for something and not have it come across as maybe uh, overzealous or almost like challenging to somebody else who may not have the same energy and enthusiasm? Like Julie and I speak pretty quickly on the podcast Mm. and like you are leveling it up there. And I know we love that, obviously. But like, how have you been able to sometimes be like, okay, I, I can see someone else might be at a different level but yet I still want to be a fan of whatever they're a fan of. Jimmy, awesome question, man. So many ways I could answer that question. Uh, It's a lifelong struggle to try to figure out the answer to that question, to be really candid. I have a ton of energy, right? And I think that's part of why I'm successful in life. But it's also, I I think it's important to be aware of sometimes I do come on too strong. And sometimes I just watch my own energy. Very wise woman, who's the co-host of this podcast, sometimes encourages me to just step back and sit with it and just look at what's happening and and not steamroll ahead. My mother is, is an amazing woman and super passionate about things and she comes on really strong and so I try to learn from that and sometimes when I can dial it back but sometimes yeah I bring the Nina energy and 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 I'm there all I can really answer that question is I try to listen I really I forgot who told me it was it was either a a mentor or it was like a corporate training about active listening that I took early on in my life that probably would have been at Nielsen but it it could have been somebody else and I really try to listen it's hard because I got a lot of ideas and I like to key off people's energy but I really try to make sure that people understand that I hear them and that I'm listening. I might not always agree with them. I might not always be able to do what they want me to do, but I'm at least hearing them out. And I think that's really super powerful. There's a great politician from Boston called Tip O'Neill. He was the Speaker of House for many, many years. And I read a quote from him just a few years ago in the Washington Post saying that Tip O'Neill used to always say, people like to be seen and they like to be thanked. And I stuck that up on my bulletin board and I said, Tip O'Neill, I mean, I I never knew the man, obviously. I was very young when I was growing up in Boston. I try to live by that. I try to let my teams know I appreciate them. I thank them for their work and I see them. I mean, I literally... Isn't that the best quote, though, from a guy named Tip? I know. Because he's saying, like, give somebody a tip and thank them. Like, it's brilliant. But but it it doesn't even have to be a monetary tip, though. What I've learned is that, and again, I kind of borrowed from Julie and the great work that she does at Eat Well Global. I do... uh, She had a session that she did with her team called Snaps right, where they would recognize each other for for doing good work. And I turned that into, literally, I do a monthly all hands at my company. We have 250 people that join it. And for 20 minutes, roughly, in the last 20 minutes of, of the all hands, We've been going through DE&I, diversity, equity, inclusion topics. We go through podcasts that I think will help people learn new things. Will you tell them about Augmenters? I will. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. will. I'll absolutely tell them about, about Augmenters. When, when you do it, can you say that we like to use Jamie Foxx's 
finger snap claps, so it's not too loud on the mic. But like you know, it, uh, I, I always forget a guy. My wingman on those podcasts is, um, or, or those sessions, is a guy named Jason Mackey. I love Jason, and I always forget. I say, guys, we're doing snaps, and then I start clapping, and I'm always like, it's not <laughs> clapping, Jed, it's snaps. So, so I struggle with that. But going back to your your question one more time, because it was such a thoughtful question, Jimmy. I had a woman I worked with many many years ago at Nielsen who struggled with being overconfident. She came on too strong sometimes, and I developed a picture with her of a lion looking into a mirror that saw a pussycat. And I captioned that slide, quiet confidence. And she knew it. And I've been using it. I worked with her 20 years ago. And I still talk about that. The line between confidence and arrogance, confidence and underconfidence, same thing you were asking me about. It's that energy level. Finding that line, to me, it's a lifelong journey to find the right Line. You know, there's not. It's not a set line. It depends on the situation you're in. Sometimes I really do have to bring more. Sometimes I should bring less. Quiet confidence. Jed, I bet Julie just got goosebumps too because I think you just gave us one of the key thoughts or like ideas we want to convey in our new Augmenters logo. Mm. And I love the idea about maybe you know the Augmenters head being reflected in a different way. That's a that's a big idea. I love it. No, no F, but I, I love the idea of the new logo. I love the company HubSpot. I just want to do a small uh, shout out to HubSpot. My good friend from high school, not a mentee. A guy, Boston company. A, a Boston-based company. A guy I went to high school with many years ago, Lincoln, told me about HubSpot for years. He's owned the stock for forever. And, uh, and he tells me what a great company is. And Julie, obviously, is a, a customer of the company. So big tip of the hat to HubSpot for the great work that you do in your day-to-day and for supporting entrepreneurial organizations like Augmenters. So this is... I mean, obviously, Jen and I could just talk to each other for like two hours like we did when we first met and had a great time. This is bringing me a lot of joy. So, Jed, I've known you a long time. (laughs) 25 years, which is crazy. I really, I mean, obviously, I've so admired everything that you've done from a work standpoint and people here, especially Jimmy, who's the only one actually here, but everybody should know how often people who worked for Jed talk about Jed, come around to see Jed, like people who work for Jed love, love Jed. And that was really inspiring to me as I became a leader, since this was kind of the first time I had been in that position, was to really just hope that I could be a boss that people cared about as much as people who work for you cared about you. But what I also believe you are uniquely qualified or I'm uniquely qualified to comment on and ask about is what an incredible dad you are and what an incredible father you are. And with Jimmy as a dad of a new baby girl and Jed as the dad of two older girls, you have just been an incredible, you know, you're an incredible father, an incredible force in their life. So I'm curious how mentoring shows up for you in parenting. You talked quite a bit about your own parents, but how do you Mm. consider mentoring in your parenting journey? Oof, great question, Julie. A tough one. I could answer that in so many ways. I'm going to channel my mom for a second. She never came out and told me this, but I always thought that my mother's approach to parenting was to, uh, you know, prepare the baby, uh, prepare the baby bird to fly and then let the bird fly. And then if you let the bird fly, hopefully it's a strong bird and it leaves the nest and it can go make its own life. And hopefully it comes back and visits the mama bird, right? But, you know, my job as a parent is to try to give my children the values and ideas about how to live. I think a good life, a humble life, uh, you know, life where you give back to others, things like that. But you're also curious and, you know, lots of those those sort of values things. But at the end of the day, it's up to them. Julie and I have talked a lot about this and, and I think we share this 
says from a parenting style, I'm not someone who micromanages my kids. I hope try to set up a nice support network for them. Let them know, you know, I support them. I love them. I encourage them to try new things, try th- some things that they might fail, give it their best shot. Don't blame other people if it goes wrong. Probably most important lesson I've, I've shared with my daughters is we all get knocked down. You got to get yourself back up. And so I've tried to live that way. I've tried to honor my parents. They never, like someone who seeks to achieve at a high level. It's not like my parents ever sat me down and were like, you're going to get good grades or you're going to make the varsity boat. Literally, we never spoke of that. And, and, and I don't know, maybe that's just an unspoken thing in, in, in the Meyer house when I was young. And, and again, the same for my two kids. Like, you know, they've played sports, they've done activities. I've never been like, you must be the president of this club. Hopefully they take the initiative and they learn and they, they push themselves. But if they don't want to, that's okay too. That's It's their life to live. I have uh, an immense amount of uh, joy that I get from being a dad, but it's also incredibly humbling because you can always make a mistake. There's many times that they ask me questions and I'm baffled because I don't know what the exact answer is, right? Or I don't know the right advice to give them. And so, you know, you just try to do the best you can and hope that that someday down the road they have forgiveness and grace for whatever I've done wrong and the events that I missed when they were little. You know, I, I worked really hard, as Julie's really aware. When my children were little, I traveled a lot and I wasn't there for a bunch of things. And yeah, do I feel guilt about that? 100%. But at the same time, I had a mortgage to pay and we had obligations that I felt pressure to uh, you know deliver that I thought in the long run was going to help them build a good life but there's always trade-offs right so you do the best you can and you hope that they forgive you and that they're you know content bring me joy if it's 10 or 15 years my Veronica or my Natalie calls me up comes even better comes over brings me a, a glass of iced cold Dunkin Donuts or Cumberland coffee uh, and we sit down and, and, and visit together on wherever I am wherever whether I'm living in New England you know Mazel Tov or New York or, or wherever it might be oh, that would be the joy is you know it was coming around and, and so I, I think probably a point I'd end on is something that my dad used to say and again I don't think he ever came out and said it but I just knew it my dad's basic premise was keep showing up keep showing up for people. And, you know, when I came to school here in New York, my grandmother helped pay for my college because it was very expensive. And she was kind of an ornery old woman. And I didn't know her very well. But I knew that, you know, she was helping to fund my my school. So I felt an obligation to go visit her. And that was clear cut. My dad was like, you're going to call her X number of times a month and you're going to visit her. And so I did. I took the M104 bus over and I visited her. And guess what? Two, three years into getting to know her, she was a, a really interesting woman. And I learned a ton she died when I was a college junior, and I, and I miss her. I mean, that was many, many years ago. I still miss her. She was still cranky and ornery, but uh, I'm so glad I had those three years getting to know her, and I'm so glad my dad encouraged me to do that. I, it was not the first thing on my list. I remember going to rowing practice and leaving rowing practice and getting on the M104 and visiting her, but I'm so glad he encouraged me to do it, and I'm so glad I listened to him, and I just kept showing up and sitting there drinking ginger ale. She used to keep Canada Dry ginger ale in the house and maybe like a Sara Lee pound cake kind of thing. And we just sit there at her kitchen table and, and have a ginger ale and pound cake and, and talk. And one time, last funny story for Grandma Elsa was um, I used to have a, a nervous habit where I, my knee would go up and down with all my energy. And, and one time she just took her hand and put it on my knee. She was like, <laughs> yeah, stop doing that. 
guess what? Never had the knee twitch again. It's like Elsa was like, that's not, that's not good. Don't do that. That's not okay. good. You know, so you, you can take your wisdom Thanks, anywhere Elsa. is my I point. I guess that. that's, that's the point is like you can learn anytime, anywhere, and then do what Bill Meyer said. Just keep showing up. Well, you brought tears to my eyes there, Jed. That was really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. So I'm going to bring it back with something to end on, which I think will be great with you. It's going to be a one word association, similar to how I get to do <laughs> my let's get phrasy piece where you're going to laugh because one of my phrases I took away is the rusty tenant, which is it's an old school saying you just got to. You know, you just got to show up and do your job. Say what you're going to do and do it. That's the rusty tenant. So I think that's wonderful. But I'm going to I'm gonna say a word, and I'd like to hear the first thing that pops into your head. Don't worry. It's all around mentoring. Yes. So when I say mentor, what do you think? Relationship. How about mentee? Relationship. And then would sponsor be different? Advocate. And lastly, which when you hear coach? Inspiration, taskmaster. The duality of the, just like the mirror of the lion to the cat, mm. the duality of taskmaster, you then said inspiration. Those usually don't go together. Uh, to me, I, I hold high standards for everybody. It's hard, right? Because I hold myself to the same incredibly high standards. And people I know that I've worked with are like, wow. Like, but I'm like, I'm holding you to high standards. It's the same standard I hold to myself. If you come up short, you know, it's okay. We'll have a conversation about it. If you work for me and it's a project and it was a client project and we, we fell short, that's not good, right? But I just think that like, you know, I kind of, all those people in my early life, they don't come out and hit you over the head. Like you kind of think of Taskmaster and you think of like the, the football coach yelling at you. That's not my image. Yep. And so you just try to do that and build those relationships. And, and hopefully, you know, as, as they say over the Emerald Isle, may the road rise up to meet you. Like <laughs> All right, Jed, one more thing, because I love how fast your brain works. If you had one thing you could do right now to change how most people find mentors or find mentees or begin a mentoring relationship, what would be that one thing that you would shift in how this either world works or how individuals interact with each other? It's easier, you know, it's, get, it's easier than you're making it out to be, Jimmy. It's relationships. Great. Uh, because actually, I think you nailed it. I said, what, what would you change? What would you have people do differently? You said, it's easier than people make it out to be. Mentoring is easier. It really is. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't make it out to be this giant thing. Just show up. That's giant living in the hillsides, coming yeah. to visit the town people. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then yeah. I'm going to keep going because Julie will cut us off probably in one minute. But <laughs> if you were going to physically give somebody, what's the mentoring friendship bracelet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the gift? You give a microphone? Maybe like a, a little kitten? You know, what What would it be? Like a locket? A little locket? <laughs> All right, I'm going to blow your mind, Jimmy. You know what I'd give him? <laughs> I'd give him a steno book. <laughs> because uh, here's why. Oh, man, Steve. What was Steve? Steve Walsh and John McTaggart. My first job at Nielsen, I've been waiting to share this story. They also worked for Rusty, right? I was like the super bottom of bottom you know, junior guy. My first assignment was working with uh, John McTaggart and Steve Walsh. And we were calling on TV stations somewhere in, I think, Pennsylvania. And I, I think it was John, but it might have been Steve. So I want to give them both credit. We were going and sitting with the general manager there. And John pulls out his steno book and starts taking notes about what the GM was saying. Guess what? That was 30 years ago. I still, this is book 10 right now I'm on for Cantar. I take down notes. I write down what people are saying, partially to commit it to memory, but also partially to write down, oh, they want this, follow up on this. And I have little notes, hashtags, don't forget to do this. And then at the end of the day or the end of the week, I go back and look at the notebook and do the follow-ups, right? So what would the thing that I would give to a mentee or mentor? I'd give him a notebook. Write it down. Make it happen. Love it. Jed, I can't believe we didn't talk more about coffee. I'm a little, like, disappointed, honestly. Actually, a real question. Why don't you ever mention stewards? 
It's just like more Northwest. Stewart's what? what coffee? Stewart's coffee. Yeah. Never heard of it. I've never I've, heard of it. Stewart's has a root beer chain in the New York area. They have like a root beer and then they have a couple diners. Like my, my daughter Veronica had a Stewart's diner near her school that I went to a couple times there. Didn't know they did coffee. Yeah, in upstate and in Vermont, there's Stewart's is the Cumbies. Well, then you're getting real close to Timbits land. You're getting close to, you know, Tim Hortons. So, you know, when, when, when I go to Toronto, I got to get Tim's. And I don't know all the lang- language about what they call the stuff there, but I like their coffee. I just like coffee shop coffee. I'm up. I, I love Julie. We've been married a long time. Uh, she has very different coffee profile tastes than I do. She likes strong, intense coffee. I like coffee shop coffee with some cream and a one sugar iced and she calls it dessert and i call it coffee and i have it once a day at three o'clock and you know everybody's fine gets the juices flowing yeah thank you jed for joining our augmenters podcast we're wrapping up the trip to fan is kicking in we're preparing sandwiches with the leftovers don't forget the mashed potatoes in the sandwich with the turkey. And the cranberry sauce. How can you pass stuff. that up? Yeah, exactly. But don't sleep. You've got to toast at least one side of the bread. Don't put two untoasted sides together. You just, you're not doing it right. You're going to lose mouthfeel. It could fall apart. It's not structurally mushy. sound. Mushy. Exactly. It's mushy. Something that was not mushy and is actually very important to be talked about is, I think, how Jed reacted to our rapid fire word associations at the end there. So when we were going through them, remember he said, when I say mentor, he said relationship. And when I said mentee, he said relationship. And I think it's not spoken about enough, especially for males creating relationships, especially after they have gotten through college and are getting older, that you can still form really powerful and important relationships. And not enough men, I think, talk about that, that it doesn't have to be just your drinking buddies from when you were 20 years old. 21 years old. It is from any time in your life. And as you said at the beginning, Julie, everywhere Jed goes to any old, when he runs into old colleagues, everybody's really excited to see him. Jed builds really strong relationships and you don't have to be, or you can still be a very strong and masculine individual and yet form relationships. And that's so important for our society. Oh my God, Jimmy, that is so huge. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think there is definitely more light being shed on. I think there's a lot around women's well-being, but also men's well-being and like creating those relationships. And sometimes maybe that mentoring relationship is more comfortable than maybe just a, you know, like it has a little bit more context than just a, like, you know, friendship off the bat, especially in the workplace. So I love that. I think we can kind of keep working on that, right? Like kind of as we talk about augmenters and we talk about frameworks and ways to have these relationships, I think your perspective is really phenomenal. And I'm sure, I'm sure Jed would love to go have a beer with you. I can't wait. Or he actually would really like to go have a nice coffee with you. He's definitely more of a nice coffee drinker. That'll work. Beyond being a fan of fandom, Jed also has such a wonderful way with words and bringing inspiration to what I would say are you know casual phrases. So now I have been walking around thinking in my head, okay, when you tell somebody walk the walk and talk, not just talk the talk, walk the walk, that's a rusty tenant. It's an old school truism. Do what you say you're going to do in honor of Rusty Terrigan, the previous mentor of Jed. And a really simple piece. So not just old school truisms, but how you view yourself and that verbal meme, always tough for a podcast to get correct. But if you can picture a cat, a house cat looking into a mirror 
and then the house cat sees back a huge lion. I think that's something that we can all kind of internalize before we walk into a situation or maybe before you have to have your third or fourth family interaction in a very short amount of time. You're like, just look in the mirror. Oh my gosh. Words of wisdom. We all need as many little rusty tenants and mantras as we go into the rest of this weekend. And I love that. And you know, it's very sweet is that if you can recall, I can't remember what episode when we had Jeff Herman on, he had Jettisms, just like Rusty Tenants. I think they're called Jettisms that he shared. And the two of them have definitely had this really lovely mentoring professional relationship. And in fact, they just went to Morocco together. Not only have they ridden motorcycles on the Great Wall of China together, they were just in Morocco for a work trip. And it was really fun to see how that relationship continues to evolve. So you never know the words that you have that you share with others, how they will become Jimmyisms. I got a few. But I do know that I now have Matt Damon goals, just like Jed. Being from the Boston area, Jed and I, if he's riding motorcycles on the Great Wall of China, he's now showing Matt it's time to head to Morocco. There's adventure there too. Exactly. And I am very grateful for Jed, obviously, in my life. And he is by far my biggest cheerleader that I could ever imagine. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I look forward to mentoring. Here we go. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We hope this episode was brief yet bright. And now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email. Hi at augmenters.us or via social media with our handle at augmenters HQ. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.